0: G'day, friends. It's Stacey Morgan here. If you're a busy businesswoman juggling your own journey of entrepreneurship, and if you're a fan of Regold's Dance Life podcast, then I know you'll love my podcast, How to Run a Successful Business and Still Have a Life. We release episodes every week on a Wednesday morning. Listen and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm joined by the wonderful Regold. Hey, Regold.
1: Hey, Stacey. Hello to our listeners. Excited to be here.
0: So excited to be here. I hope that the weather's warming up a little bit for you. Last episode, you talked about how cold it was going to get. Did it? Has it actually followed through? Is it cold?
1: Yeah. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Warming up a little now.
0: Nice. I'm on vacation next week, going to the beach, so I won't talk about that too much and rub it in your face. But today's episode is brought to you by something that's happening in your summer when it is going to be hotter, when it is going to be all heated up, and that's the Fabulous Dance Life Teacher Conference happening in the fabulous Las Vegas in July of this year. Cannot wait.
1: I can't wait either, Stace. We're in Las Vegas. And it's going to be July 31 to August 2nd. The lineup of faculty is awesome. I'm uh, ready for this.
0: And the great thing about being in Las Vegas, Re, is that there's so much possibility for extracurricular activities. And I was at a conference.
1: A couple- uh, that's what I'm afraid of. Just thought I'd say that. <laughs>
0: No, it's going to be great. I was at a conference here in Australia a couple of weeks ago and um, I had friends there who I'm bringing over to the conference. Um, And they, some have been before, some have never been. And we were talking about what we're going to see in Las Vegas. And we were at the, we were at the lunch break at the conference that we were at and we were scrolling you know Las Vegas shows July August Las Vegas shows and we found Jerry Seinfeld Jerry is playing at Caesar's Ooh. Palace on the Friday night and so we all booked tickets so we are not only coming for the conference but we're also getting to see Jerry live on wow, stage
1: Oh that's so cool so, and I think I could be wrong but I think there's a Cirque show at the at the MGM where are we? At the MGM,
0: car. I think and it's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant. I saw it many, many years ago, and um, back when I was young and single and in Las Vegas on my own, and I had a great time. And the like, just the diversity of shows that you can see in Las Vegas. You know, from the $39 Vegas show all the way through to something as expensive as Jerry Seinfeld at Caesars Palace, but there's so much to see and so much to do. And so the conference is just going to go up a level this year. I cannot wait.
1: Same here, my friend. And I hope many of our listeners will be joining us.
0: And if anyone wants to go to Jerry, we're going Friday night. (laughs) So book a ticket and I'll meet you there.
1: I think that's awesome.
0: (laughs) I cannot wait. So, Re the the lineup for the faculty is you know i look at it and i think what an incredible opportunity to learn from so many master teachers who are really at the top of their craft who really know what they're talking about who have you know in classroom experience not just teaching children but teaching teachers and the great thing about coming to the conference is that you yes you get to learn things that you take back to your classroom but you also get to rediscover your passion for dance and your love for dance and that that spark that you had inside you when you were 5 years old in in the studio in your in your hometown with your teacher you really get to reconnect with that you know young person and 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 really Um, stoke the fire of spirit um, for your passion for dance that's one of the things that is the biggest takeaway from from me every year with going to your conference and so many of these master teachers are so good at connecting with teachers and really bringing the best out of you And I feel like I was really lucky because when I was growing up, I had a teacher that was like that. And, you know, we were in a really small country town um, in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't like I came from a big city and had, you know, a choice of all of the teachers in the land to possibly teach me. I just hit the jackpot with my teacher because she really was able to make me feel special and give me that passion for dance. Was it the same for you in, you know, in your little studio underneath your, in the garage of your house being taught by your mom? Did did she have that same, that same feeling, that same, I don't know. It
1: wasn't a garage. It it was, it was the basement of our home. But yes, yes, there was a passion in that basement. Before I tell you about my mom as a teacher and, and some of my other teachers, tell me about yours.
0: Miss Francesca is my teacher. In what
1: way did she make you feel special?
0: Mm, Great question. And this is something I try and pass on to my students as well. But she, she had a way of always making eye contact. She didn't kind of just throw out instructions and just, you know, scream from the stereo. She would come close to you she would make eye contact with you your leg was not turned out in that your you know your shoulders need to be pushed back you and and she would be there with you and engage with you And I think I had other teachers who would kind of stand at the back of the room and and scream the corrections to the entire group. But I feel like for Miss Francesca, especially in those young formative years when we're really developing our technique and, and developing that passion, she had a way of working her way through the bar, getting to every person and giving every person individual specialized corrections for what they were doing at the time. And, we didn't think anything of it we didn't know any better like we didn't know any different so we didn't know how special it was and when mm. I, as i said when i got older and had other teachers who would kind of just you know give blanket corrections to everybody um i really i really missed that that interaction and that and that quality that you know that, that she would give me really specific instructions that that suited my learning style. Like I needed – I'm quite keen keen aesthetic. So if she wanted my shoulders back, she couldn't tell me to put my shoulders back. She had to come and grab my shoulders and place them in the position that they needed to be in and and say, okay, now engage the muscles. Now feel that. That's the feeling you're looking for. So – then mm. when I got off the bar and transitioned to the centre, I could feel that feeling. And she and she knew that. She didn't do that with everybody. You know, Kristen, who stood in the, on the bar in front of me, she would say, Kristen, put your shoulders back, and Kristen would, just do it. <laughs> so she had a beautiful way of really connecting with each of her students individually. And, and that is something that I, as I said, try to pass on to my students and something that I remember as being really special. And when you're young and you are really you really feel seen by somebody it it makes a special imprint and miss francesca's the same now she's you know i had dinner with her last monday and she she still has a way of making that eye contact and getting close to you and really engaging in what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're feeling to make you feel really special and i think that's that's part of a you know her charm and part of why i was so lucky to have her as my teacher
1: is uh, miss francesca still teaching
0: I wish that she was still teaching. She's actually transitioned beautifully into um, life as an artist. She's a mosaic artist. And so she teaches mosaic classes. So she teaches in that way, but she doesn't teach dance anymore. She did teach for me for a number of years until she decided to to move on and to really focus on her her art business. And now she does that, um, you know, full time and that's – And that's her new journey and that's really exciting for her because she creates, just like she created beautiful work on stage, she now creates beautiful work for people's homes and for businesses and um, for landmarks in our town. And she's, yeah, she's developing a really beautiful reputation as an artist, which is so lovely to watch.
1: So if I heard what you just said right, um, your teacher ended up working for you in your school. Is Mm -hmm. that correct?
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: How so cool is that. Oh, so your so your cool. own dancers experience the person who inspired you.
0: Absolutely, and and she she tells stories. And because a lot of my teachers, in fact, the majority of my teachers, are, were all trained by Miss Francesca. And when she was working for us, she we've got five studios that that run and they're all connected with one main hallway and she says that she would walk up and down the hallway and she would hear her own voice her own mannerisms her own you know sayings coming out of each of the doors as she was as she was walking you know up and down the hallway and how she you know talked about how much that you know, lit her up inside, and how rewarding that was for her. Because the, I guess we teach the things that we know and the things that we were taught. So, um, the way we would explain corrections and the way that we would talk to the kids and how we would um, ad- address them and just the the tone of our voice. She said she would hear that coming out of each of the doors of the studio as she would walk past, and that really um, was really special for her, hearing the next generation sharing her
1: knowledge it's interesting that you say that because when i go to a competition or see a performance that uh one of my mother's former students is involved with choreographically Mm -hmm. i see my mother in the work that they do wow you know like i'll say oh oh there's my mother there she is right there in the middle of that eight counts yeah it's a certain line it's a certain look it's a it's a that jazz hand i don't know it's just it's hard to explain but i can see her in their teaching and what's cool about that for everybody who's listening one day when nobody knows who my mom is and we're all long gone there's going to be a teacher who something about her was passed on to that they're going to be teaching in their classroom mm-hmm. may not have any idea where it came from it'll be their immediate past teacher yeah but really that's a generational thing that has gone on from one teacher to the next it's, it's a cool thing oh Aren't we lucky? But I want to say something about me growing up with my teacher. You know that my mother wouldn't teach. uh, I have a twin. Most people who are listening know that. My mother wouldn't teach running and I until we were probably 10-ish. Because because we were in the basement, (laughs) my brother and I would be, let's say a class is 45 minutes long. About 15 minutes into the class, we'd walk up to my mother and go, we're going upstairs, going to watch TV. (laughs) We're done here. (laughs) So that's how it started. My mother put us with other teachers. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do that with the other teachers. So she made sure that we were not in her class, but in other people's classes because it would uh, cause us to have the respect that we should have for the teacher. Yeah. Not that we didn't respect my mother. We were just too young to understand that, you know, she deserved that like the other teachers did. I know that sounds weird and mean, but it's the truth, you know. Yeah. That's mom. Well I'm going to go up and have a sandwich. I'll be yeah. back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I don't teach my daughter, Re. I oh, you know, my God. daughter is is turning ten next month, and she has danced her whole life. Not because I've made her, uh, because she chooses to, and that's how that plays out. But she, she and I in the classroom is the most joy I can ever have as a human. I can't tell you how much I Why love. Do I
1: think- I don't know if I believe you Edna. <gasps> no no
0: no no' I'm, I'm being oh, completely so true? I'm being completely honest. Um, she oh okay,
1: sorry, T- sorry. no, no I you're all right. you were
0: sarcastic. Sometimes I am pretty sarcastic. Uh, but in this case I my heart bursts seeing her do something that I am so passionate about and it shouldn't be okay. and it shouldn't be about me. Because as you know, all of parenting shouldn't be about me Um, and us as parents. That's the hard part, right? That's the lesson that you have to learn in having kids that they're their own human, their own personality, their own person. And you've really got to let them just be that person and not try and put what you think you, what you think they should be onto them. That's a whole other podcast. But for me being in the classroom with her, and I've only taught her when I had to sub and, and, you know, step in but i get so much joy from watching her from watching her love what i love and and i don't do it and as i said i don't i don't teach my daughter because i want her to have respect for her teachers and i don't want her to go out for a sandwich halfway through her class so i don't, yeah i don't teach her regularly but on those special occasions where i do get to step into the classroom she's she calls me Miss Stacy and she's very respectful and she's she's actually showing off a little bit for me, which is even cuter that she wants to impress me and show me what she's learnt with her other teacher and, oh, my heart explodes. I, I would teach her all day, every day, if I thought that she would behave, but she wouldn't. <laughs>
1: so so what, what what age do you think you'll be taking her into your classroom or will you at all?
0: I don't think I will at all. I mean, and inevitably it will happen because I teach a lot of senior classes. But I, uh, I would, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want her to ever feel like I'm taking away from her thing. If it's her thing, I want her to be able to enjoy her thing, and I enjoy my thing. Like I can concentrate on my teaching in my class when I'm when she's not there, but. Yeah, I also don't want to miss the opportunity to be able to have that shared experience as well. So I think maybe when she's 13, 14. Okay. When she really doesn't want me as her teacher.
1: You. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> at that point, she said, you don't want anything to do with your mother. Are yeah, you kidding?
0: Exactly. And that's when I'll waltz on in and say, here I am. <laughs> miss Stacey's ready to teach. She'll roll <laughs> her eyes at me and go, oh, here we go.
1: Oh, yeah, there goes my mother. <laughs> Funny, funny.
0: So what about you, Reid? The things that your mum taught you in the dance studio, do they show up in your life now? Do you do things, say things that you go, oh, that was my mum?
1: Yes, often. Uh, Though I will say this, that's interesting. I never thought of it until you just asked that question. When it comes to what I do in business and in working with studio owners, much, uh, I I got to figure out how to say this without it sounding not so positive. Much of what I teach studio owners to be is a little bit the opposite of what I grew up with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meaning, my mother as a teacher was... Put me in my classroom and let me do my craft. I don't want to talk to parents. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to ever ask me why I do what I do. It was a different generation. They demanded more respect. Parents gave it to them, too.
0: Yes, 100%
1: i uh, if if a, my mother said she needed to work, a child needed to work harder in this area, they'd listen and they'd work harder in that area if what they want, if they wanted to achieve their goal. Yeah. Uh, but my mother was not that go out in the lobby and say hello to all the parents. And she was the opposite of that. And. I now can see how important that is to the success of our schools the, mm. the personableness the even the vulnerability that we have mm. whereas uh my mother's day was more like you everything is always fine <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean yes it was. It, you showed your best self, and and there was no breaking that it was. But it was also called. If if I asked her if we were discussing this, she'd say that's professionalism, Marie.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I see that play out for you, Re, because you you love to run a very professional event. You love to run mm-hmm. a very professional summit. You love to you, that professionalism f- flows through to the work that you do. Because you have, did your mother have like perfectionist tendencies when it came oh, to yes. recital yeah. and the costume and the headpiece and?
1: When when I w- I'm too little to remember this, but my mother told me this story. The ver- my mother was in show business. She married my father. She was out of show business, she thought, and uh, she had my brother and I that so within the first year of their marriage my brother and I came along by the time we were three she opened her first studio and she told me that at her first recital she thought it was so bad that she cried and locked herself in the room for three days <laughs> because she just felt like she did not put on a good show okay and What was interesting about that is my mother then became known for her shows. Mm. So I always related that people always used to say to me, your mother put on the best recital. And she did. There was a theme and it was carried through with all the music and costuming and sets and scenery but I often thought back to her telling me that story had she not had that feeling whether it was or not we'll never know what your first recital you you really don't have dancers yet so I can imagine it had to be tough yeah but I think that experience made her say okay this is my weakness I'm going to make it my best thing and that's something that uh I experienced growing up I remember my mother doing the old Little Mermaid okay Mm -hmm. Uh, when the original movie came out in the 70s I guess could have been the late 60s and the curtain opened and my mother had this underwater scene and She had these, you know, a mirror ball has a motor that turns it. My mother took a huge hoop and had different animal, not animals, uh, fish and sea creatures circling the whole stage in black light. And the audience applauded when the curtain opened. Okay. And I know I was backstage, but I know that for my mother, that was like, wow, <laughs> you know, I love that. Look, but I want to say when I was little, little, and I grew up with teachers, um, my mother had a best friend. Her name was Helen, Helen. Taborian. And my mother gave us to Helen and Helen would do our choreography we usually did a duet and she'd have to do it upstairs in our living room my mother would move the couch out because there were classes going on in the studio and I can remember Saturday mornings learning our dance from (laughs) Helen in In the the living room
0: room. (laughs) I love it I love it. now and on
1: for a lot of years. I did a. I learned a solo from Helen in the living room.
0: Did you ever get the chance to rehearse it in the studio before you put it on stage?
1: Yes, yes, I'd say I did. And now I'm smiling. Our listeners can't see it, but I'm smiling because I'm thinking about these huge bell bottoms made out of velvet, red velvet. <laughs> <laughs> It was a jumpsuit. People will, of course,
0: it was. It <laughs> of was, course, it was a it jumpsuit. It was a
1: jumpsuit with bell bottoms, and the chest was cut out like down mm. to the belly button. You know that look. Yep.
0: How old? You know, were I you?
1: probably shouldn't. I shouldn't talk about it because it probably come back.
0: Probably <laughs> is back. That's the scary thing.
1: <laughs> How old was I? I'm gonna say nine, ten-ish. Mm. With your chest exposed. Raunchy. Yes. Yes. But in the 70s, it was chests were exposed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was okay.
1: <laughs> that just, I had a flashback of that too. The old, like, leisure suit with the shirt that's mm-hmm. open and the, the hairy chest underneath. That was in at the mm, time.
0: Absolutely. I think that your mother getting a recital on stage with three-year-old twins at home like who cares what the recital looked like if there was a recital she's a winner I can't believe she locked herself in a room for three days and and cried about it because just getting something up with you two running around I can imagine was a a task within itself
1: I'm sure it was I'm sure it was want to want to hear another memory I know we're supposed to be talking about teachers (laughs) but now I'm, I'm having these memories we used to have an orchestra no way so wait, you would dance all year to a piece of music, a record, of course, all right? Yep. And then you go to dress rehearsal, and you'd have to do that same piece of choreography to a live orchestra. So they'd play the music for you. My mother would tell them, bring the tempo up, bring it down, and then you'd run your dance.
0: Wow. What an experience.
1: It was like that for the first three or four years. And then for those who are listening that remember, it went to reel to reel tape. Wowzers. <laughs> <laughs> and when you bought a record, you bought two copies. You bought one that you used in the classroom and one that was a taping copy. And nobody could touch the taping copy.
0: This has been great, Ray. <laughs> The red velvet bo- bell-bottoms and the reel-to-reel tape this is not where yes. I thought we were going today.
1: No, it wasn't where I thought we were going either.
0: <laughs> but I think the takeaway is everything old that is new, again, is new again, whether that's the corrections in your classroom or whether that's the red velvet bell-bottoms. And that the things that we learn from our teachers, whether we're conscious about it mm. or whether we're unconscious about it, when they show up in our daily lives are... Uh, you know, paying homage to the legacy that has been left before us. And I think that's a really important thing to carry on, whether in our dance studios or just in our life.
1: I agree with you 100%. This, this one thing that that distinctly is something that inspired me as a kid, and I've talked about this before, Maybe even I've said it on the podcast, but one thing I learned from my mother as a teacher was passion. Mm. And you might say, well, how'd you learn that? It wasn't in the classroom. It was watching my mother. Let's say she, my mother used to assist this guy. His name was Gus Giordano. He's a famous Mm. jazz master. Okay. Okay. And she used to go on weekends to assist him at different universities, conventions, all of this. And she'd rehearse in the kitchen or be reading the notes for the weekend. So she'd either have a piece of choreography, progressions, whatever they would be teaching. And she'd dance in the kitchen while we were eating supper. And if you caught her eyes, there was a passion in her eyes. Mm. And she'd move for a minute and just look you straight in the eye. And it was, I was little, like she wasn't necessarily my teacher at the time. But I always knew the passion in dance by looking in her eyes when she danced. Mm. It's not something she verbally said. It was not like she didn't say, you need more passion. You know, I don't yeah. know if she even knew that's what it was or used that word. Yeah. But I look back at it now, and there was something about that meeting her eyes that that instilled in me the passion that dance is, the feeling that dances. Mm-hmm. And that to me was the greatest gift because that, well, uh, that is who I am today. Like I don't, I think growing up and, and being a teacher myself, I had a goal of making the best dancers I could. Now I have a goal with all the teachers and studio owners I work with to make the main purpose to pass on the passion. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. The passion isn't always about, we weren't dancing at the time. I felt that passion. Yeah. I was eating macaroni and cheese or fish <laughs> or whatever it was that we were eating at the time. Um, it's, it's a dancer becomes better if they understand that passion. It's like um, my mother taught me this too, but I'm not going to say it in her words. We don't, like, make great dancers, we have to inspire someone on the inside to believe that they can be a great dancer.
0: Mm.
1: Right? If, if you don't have it in you, even if you have the technique, we've all seen dancers like that in our own schools. <laughs> They're gorgeous dancers, technically, whatever, but you're like, wow, something's missing. Mm. Right? Yep. You can get that passion from someone who's not that good. Yeah. And the whole audience will notice that person in your team jazz line who has the passion before they're going to notice anyone else in the group. So to me, the passion thing is what makes a great dancer. Yep. Yep. Ooh.
0: That was gold. We should take that that as a snippet and put it on your social media.
1: Okay, we'll do that.
0: (laughs) I was joking last episode about Ray getting really active on his Instagram and now TikTok as well. So this is some great content, Ray. I love that. Okay. I love
1: that passion. I didn't know I was creating TikTok content while we were doing this, but I'm going to go for uh, your word. And by the way, send me that snippet as soon as you get it done.
0: I will. The, um, the the passion thing you talk about and seeing the kid on stage with the passion, I think that was me. I didn't have the best legs. Ah. I didn't have the best feet. I wasn't the strongest in my class by any means. There were always people that were better dancers, but no one could beat me when it came to the love of it. I loved it more than anybody else, and I and I think that shone through. And I think that's what I, I now pass on.
1: Okay, you just gave us a lesson. If we really think about it, I'm going to ask you a little follow up question. You said you you weren't the best, but here you are, I'm going to say this in the right way, 20 years later. Thank you so much. (laughs) And you are the teacher. Mm. So what does that lesson, why did I stop to make that point? Because we have kids in our classrooms that we think are awesome. They're not going to be the teacher.
0: Mm.
1: It's going to be that one who's Who's, who's more average, who's learning, who's, who's gaining their knowledge at a steady pace, um, who has to work a little harder than others to achieve the same thing that the others seem to be achieving quickly. Um, some of those best answers, if you were to go back and figure out where they are now, I bet none of them are teachers. Correct. Correct
0: none of them even have a career, like some of the marine marine biologists, like they're not in the dance world even. I'm sure they go to see dance. I'm sure they're theatre goers. I'm sure they support the arts, but they don't, they're not in charge of passing the passion on to the next generation. That's for sure.
1: No, I, I want all of us to, when this podcast is over, that be a message that you take with you every child is the one who could potentially be potentially be the one who carries on your legacy oh that surprised you huh it's the truth that's the truth that's a great and go ahead
0: oh i was just gonna say that's it that's that's great because i i often will hear my teachers talking about this special child, this special child. She's going to be a star. She's going to be a star. Mm. I think we need to spend just as much time thinking about the others that could potentially pass on our legacy. Mm. What a, what an impact we have the ability to have. Oh, I just got goosebumps because I just thought of one of my kids that I teach on a Tuesday afternoon who's exactly that. She's not the strongest, but she's first in the room. She's first in the room every week. Big smile on her face. Can't wait can't wait to be there
1: and my guess is that she's probably got the most potential to carry on in the field of dance than the best one does Mm. and that's not to say that the one who becomes uh the biologist what kind of biologist did you just say? marine Uh,
0: biologist
1: Yeah, marine biologist isn't doing a great thing. How cool is that? And hopefully it's the skills she learned in the classroom that helped her and guided her to get there. Um, But bottom line is, uh, when you're passing on a passion for dance, you're passing on an art form, uh, the oldest one we know. Mm -hmm. So that to me is... I don't know. Like I always say, how cool is that?
0: And if you want to be surrounded by people who have that passion as well, join us in July and August at the Dance Life Teacher Conference in Las Vegas. Going to be a lot of passion in those ballrooms, Ray.
1: There will be a lot of passion there. And you are the best on swinging us back to a particular topic. So those of you that are listening, this is why I do this with Stacey. (laughs) Stacey. really good at this.
0: Thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. And you're really good at wrapping us up. So off you
1: go. Okay, I'm (laughs) going to wrap us up. But I I want to say this. If you have the chance, if they're still around after this podcast, maybe drop a note to a teacher who inspired you and let them know that you think about them and that they made a difference in your life. Because sometimes when a person who's given so much gets a little older they find themselves wondering if they made a difference mm-hmm. let them know that they made a difference in your life signing off enjoy the journey friends thank you for joining us for re dance life podcast